0: Welcome to Illumination by Modern Campus, the leading podcast focused on transformation and change in the higher education space. On today's episode, we speak with Dick Sinise, who is president of Capella University. Dick and podcast guest host Shauna Cox discuss the value of competency-based education and how to make education flexible and accessible for today's working adult learners. Well, Dick, welcome to the Illumination podcast. It's great to have you here.
1: Well, thanks. Thanks for having me.
0: Not a problem. So just starting off at the top, why is industry-wide interest in competency-based education growing?
1: Um, I think for a variety of reasons. I think we all, you know, long ago started talking about how uh, we were becoming a knowledge-based economy, right? And knowledge is growing. And so competencies help ensure that Uh, professionals and people in the workplace are attuned to the most recent kind of information skills and, and, you know, professional dispositions that are needed in the workplace. I think another reason is it's kind of concrete. It can be made transparent, right? Mm -hmm. There's less room for obfuscation if we say, you know, here's this degree program or this certificate, and here are the competencies associated with it, and here are the ways in which person A demonstrated those and their level of proficiency at demonstrating those. So I think it just makes things clearer, keeps education more relevant and more up-to-date. I mean, those are, I think, some of the main reasons that we're seeing the interest in CBE.
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And you know, Capella University, they're not jumping on the bandwagon right away. You guys have had a flex path model for what I hear now is in its 10th anniversary. So congratulations on that. Thank um, you. So- if you don't mind just talking a little bit about what motivated the university to create this model and how has it grown and gained momentum over its 10 years?
1: Yeah, sure. Well, you know, first off, Capella is 30 years old this year. So <laughs> while FlexPath is 10, the university is 30. So it's a third of our entire big
0: anniversary year,
1: <laughs> this is a huge anniversary year. Right. We have cake every day. No, no. Um, <laughs> what really you know motivated us was the same motivation we've always had right to find a way to serve working adults who are seeking to advance in their profession by making education as flexible affordable and ensuring it's professionally relevant the flexpath model while uh, you know the curriculum is competency based so is our guided path curriculum so it's all competency based what flexpath does is it allows learners to do the courses on their own time and at their own pace. And the the competency-based curriculum lends itself to that kind of pacing. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what we call FlexPath. It's truly a, a major innovation in how to think about making education accessible. You know, so often accessibility ends at admission accessibility has to be extended to the day-to-day life of the learner, the student. What are they experiencing? How can they fit this into their life, especially for working adults? And, you know, that's kind of what motivated us, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and we saw an opportunity to really lean into something new and innovative that we had hoped, you know, uh, would work. And I think we've proven it out over the last 10 years.
0: Mm -hmm, Absolutely. And so what kind of impact are you seeing on the student retention from this model?
1: What happens with FlexPath is we're seeing, you know, faster completion rates by programs because people can elect to do the program kind of at their own pace. Right. Mm -hmm. About half, about 50 percent of bachelor's students will go faster than their counterparts in the traditional online program. So for every FlexPath formatted program we have, we Mm -hmm. have a guided path program, which is traditional online formatting. Mm -hmm. We recently did a study where we compared equally situated learners, students, in each of these programs through a method we call propensity score matching. You can read about it in the white paper if you're interested in the methodology, but the point is it allows us to test the model and it eliminates that criticism of, well, they were just self-selected. So mm-hmm. these are the same at the beginning, right? Half of the bachelor's learners go faster. You know, um, just over a third of the master's learners go faster. Now, when we started this whole thing, we assumed everyone would go faster, <laughs> right? But the truth is people like the flexibility. This mm-hmm. is, it's a whole nother level of agency and control and allows them to juggle all the things that are going on in their life, Mm -hmm. right? So we're seeing some really um, improved time to completion, and we're also seeing, you know, higher graduation rates. The study we just released is a follow-on to a study we did five years ago, because five years ago, we had fewer people in it, Mm -hmm. and, you know, it might be early adopter bias, right? So how do we eliminate that? Well, if we redo the study, we eliminate that, and we're seeing graduation rates that are faster by about 30% for those students who identify as white, and about tw- just over 21%, actually, mm-hmm. for those students who identify as black or African American. So really impressive kind of results that mm-hmm. I'm really proud of. All of us are here at Capella. Mm-hmm.
0: Absolutely. And it's certainly you know an admirable model to follow. So for those who may be looking to change the way they do, introduce more you know cbe at their int- institution what are some of the challenges that might come with introducing this you know new business model within you know the traditional structure of higher education
1: well i think you have you have two sources of challenge right you have some internal to whatever institution you are and <laughs> external so internally you have to be sure that the culture supports a laser focus on learner centrality how we do things should be in the best way for the learner, even though it may not be the traditional schedule, right? Because, I mean, in the United States, there are, depending on, you know, who you talk to, I suppose, somewhere 30 to 40 million adults without a college degree, right? Well, how do we create a system that allows for those folks to complete while they maintain family, military, community, work other kind of commitments it's sort of obvious but it needs saying the system that produced 30 to 40 million people without a degree is not going to be the format in the system that's going to help them complete Mm -hmm, we need we need some new options right so that's number one is you have to have a commitment by the organization at capella we have always been focused on this question How do we become a leader? How do we innovate? How do we lead the way in new ideas and designs to provide high quality education for this learner population, the student population? Um, And then externally, there are, of course, challenges, right? I mean, the way financial aid is structured, the whole idea of the credit hour as the most important thing to measure, Right now, you know, Shauna, I don't know where you went to college. And, but when I, when I went to college, right, I was measured by the seat time, mm-hmm. right? So I took, you know, interpersonal communication, column 1202. That's actually the course number, by the way. <laughs> it was three credit hours. It meant Monday, Wednesday, Friday. I was measured on did I sit in that seat, right? Competency-based model and in a, a direct assessment competency-based model which Flex path is, I'm measured on, can I demonstrate the competencies of that course? Can I demonstrate the competencies of that course at a sufficient level of proficiency? And at Capella, we use four levels because we don't believe it's one and done. And we give people multiple opportunities to demonstrate each of the competencies. So it's a challenge because externally, people are still focused on that credit hour, right? Mm-hmm. And people are still focused on... You know, the the policies and the procedures around financial aid, all of that is still geared toward a credit hour. And, you know, what we think of now is the traditional age college student, 18 to 22. But that's just not who's going to college nowadays. It's just not. Mm-hmm. So we have to just get real with ourselves about needing to come up with new models. And, and we're really proud of this direct assessment CBE model that we call FlexPath.
0: Mm -hmm, Absolutely. And I kind of want to circle back towards, you know, something that you just said when it comes to the traditional student not being the traditional student anymore. So with the model that you have and, you know, looking at a broader sense, the shift towards a new era of higher education, how are you adjusting the way that you're engaging with your students?
1: Yeah, that's a big one. That's something we think about every single day, right? (laughs) In our FlexPath model and in the white paper we released, we discussed this learner support ecosystem that we wrap around, right? Whether it's academic coaches, faculty qualified graduate teaching assistants, the way that we ask faculty to set up engagement opportunities, it could be office hours, it could be just proactive engagement. And we do the same with our guided path programs. You know, we want it ultimately, education is an interpersonal enterprise mediated by technology or not, you have someone is learning and someone is helping that person learn. And the closer of an interpersonal relationship and feeling of support and engagement you can create, the learner will be more motivated, they'll learn, they'll commit, they'll find the grit to make it through the tough stuff, mm-hmm. right? Whether that's you know managerial accounting or differential calculus or statistics, right? Because someone sees them, someone knows them, someone respects them, someone expects them to do it, right? And that's really important for a lot of our learners. You know, a lot of first-generation college students don't have that kind of support in their social life, not because their friends and families don't support them going to college, Mm. but because they don't know what that experience is. And that was true for me in my own life. You know, first generation college student, my family was hugely supportive of me going to college. They had no idea what it could mean if I was taking 17 credits a quarter versus I was taking 12. So really, really decreasing that and wrapping around that kind of support and engagement is really important. And, you know, we really pride ourselves on innovation. We have a learning lab at Capella. In 2020, amidst everything else that was going on, I use this example often because I'm so proud of the team. <laughs> we ran 21 pilots of new ways to engage, new technologies, new approaches, new processes. 14 of them failed. I'm very mm-hmm. proud of those 14 because we learned something, right?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And, we advent- and we scaled the next seven. It's that kind of thinking where you always put the learner first. And you always have this idea in mind that engagement will lead to commitment, will lead to continuation, will lead to learning, will lead to graduation. And that's our approach.
0: Mm-hmm, absolutely. And I mean, 14 out of, you know, you said 21. Mm-hmm. Those are still pretty good odds to still have the seven that, um, you know, absolutely. still went forward out. Quite honestly, I think even just having one is still great. Um, I think so
1: too. I couldn't agree more.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And so just looking, you know, towards the future, obviously, we don't have a crystal ball, although that'd be really nice. But what are some of the trends that you expect to see with competency-based education? And we'll say, you know, maybe the next five years?
1: Well, I think it's stakeholders in higher ed, whether that's learners, whether that's their families, whether that's employers who expect their workforce to have relevant skills for today, Mm -hmm. you know, there's gonna be an increased focus on Time to complete, you know, there's going to be an increased focus on affordability, right? Because in a lifelong learning culture, it's not one and done. So you're always going to be learning, you know, and with FlexPath as an example, we use a subscription uh, model. People can take up to two courses during any one period of time and they pay a flat rate. If they complete one, they can take a third course during that same 12 week period. So there's an affordability component that we also measured that really was was really exciting to see and with the uh, learners that we studied because fifty eight percent borrowed less financial aid thirty at the bachelor's level and thirty nine at the master's level so incredible affordability statistics mm-hmm. incredible time to complete statistics so I think that's important the professional relevancy is important and. Institutions of higher ed have to attract a broader swath of learners from all age groups and work experiences, and they're going to have to come up with models that fit the learner's life. And mm-hmm. it's not about the institution's calendar anymore. You know, it's agency to the learner. How can we help this fit into your life? And I think FlexPath mm-hmm. is a really exciting model for that.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Dick, those are all the questions we had for you, but I am going to throw a little curveball one at you at the end here. So how we like to end all of our podcasts is with a very important question. So in your local area, local city, what is a restaurant that you would recommend for anyone visiting?
1: Wow, that's a great question. (laughs) You know, and I live in Minneapolis, Minnesota, which Mm -hmm. uh, and in the Twin Cities area, has just a wealth of really good, really good restaurants. And I hate this question because I love so many of them. Um, so hopefully this no one in Minneapolis will be listening to me here. <laughs> I am going to go with Moroccan flavors. Ooh. So I live in a rehabilitated Sears building, Sears and Roebuck, built in the 1920s. Mm-hmm in a condo and on the ground floor is like a food hall and inside that food hall which has lots of great restaurants Mm -hmm. is Moroccan flavors amazing Um, so come to Minneapolis (laughs) and we'll go to Moroccan
0: flavors amazing I love it well Dick thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today it was great having you
1: you bet nice to talk to you take care This podcast is made possible by a partnership between Modern Campus and The Evolution. The Modern Campus engagement platform powers solutions for non-traditional student management, web content management, catalog and curriculum management, student engagement and development, conversational text messaging, career pathways, and campus maps and virtual tours. The result? Innovative institutions can create a learner-to-earner life cycle that engages modern learners for life, while providing modern administrators with the tools needed to streamline workflows and drive high efficiency. To learn more and to find out how to modernize your campus, visit moderncampus.com. That's moderncampus.com.